thankful for God's amazing grace. If you're saved, you've been saved by grace. It's by grace and grace alone. Isn't, uh, isn't that wonderful? Uh, there's, there's no one that can boast that you have earned or deserved the, the gift of salvation. You came humbly to the foot of the cross and it appears that uh, Jesus has saved and forgave. That's such a wonderful uh, treasure and blessing. Second Peter chapter 1, if you are able to uh, this evening, would you stand with me? Second Peter chapter 1, I want to read here toward the end of the chapter, Second Peter chapter 1. And uh, let's pick up at verse number 15, Second Peter chapter 1, verse number 15. Peter writes, moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory, and there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we have heard when we were with him at the holy mount, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, wherein do you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. I want to, to speak uh, tonight concerning a more sure word, and that's the, the word of God that we have. Now, we've been teaching in, in our adult Sunday school uh, concerning the inspired word of God. We looked at the canonization of Scripture, and uh, we began today the preservation of Scripture. And uh, I shared this morning that uh, I believe we have a pure book, a pure word. God said he would preserve his word from this generation and forever, and that becomes very important. Uh, here what we have in Second in Peter, and, and we're going to come and give you the context of this, but it's this, this sure word. It's a trustworthy word that, uh, that we can depend upon, and I'm, I'm so thankful for that uh, here this evening. And uh, here's uh, one of the songs that talks about uh, as, as uh, the song that the, the choir played here, uh, the longer I serve him, uh, the, the, the sweeter he grows. And that's the same with the Word of God. Uh, the more I read and study the Word of God, the more convinced I am that it is the Word of God. And the more I learn about the Word of God, the more I, I love the Word of God, the more I appreciate the Word of God. And it's the same with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, the longer I have been saved, the sweeter my Jesus has become to me. And uh, I'm so grateful for salvation. I'm so uh, blessed uh, with, with what God has given unto us. Uh, I want to just give that as introduction. Would you join me? Let's go to the Lord in prayer this evening. Just ask the Lord for his way here in this service tonight. And Lord, thank you. You're so good to us. Your presence has been very real in this place tonight. And Lord, it's just a, a joy to be in church. Thank you for these songs. We've been encouraged. I thank you for the power of music. And, and uh, so very important, uh, Lord, just to uh, honor you with songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And Lord, thank you. Uh, just uh, for the testimony of these songs, the messages of these songs, the challenge. And, and now, Lord, as we open your word, the challenge of your word tonight, 
And I pray that truly we could say the longer we serve you, the sweeter you grow to us. Help us to know as we delve into your word, would you be our teacher for that? We pray in Jesus' wonderful, precious name. Amen. You may be seated. As you're seated, I want you to go back with me to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 18, and this kind of sums up uh, what we are talking about here in the book of 2 Peter. And uh, Peter closes with this thought, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is a key thought. Uh, we are challenged to grow, not only challenged to grow, but we are commanded to grow. Now you go back with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, and this growth can only take place when we have the proper foundation, and that foundation is that of salvation. A baby cannot grow until the baby is born. When that baby comes into the world, that baby is able to grow. Life uh, begets growth, and so it is in the Christian life. If you look with me, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 1, Read Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith. Uh, we obtained that gift of salvation through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In verse number 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, and we find grace in salvation, peace through salvation, peace with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's talking about growing with this, this grace and peace then be multiplied unto you. In verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that had called us to glory and virtue. With salvation, verse 4, we receive a divine nature, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And that's only done through a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, when, I, when I got saved, when I was born again, uh, the, the Lord, uh, by His Spirit, came and took up residence in my heart. Uh, at that point, I received a divine nature. My body became the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, which lives in me, dwells in me. And that's a wonderful gift that he imparts to his children. And so it's that gift of salvation, that divine nature. But as we talked last week, uh, when we receive the divine nature, we still have the old nature. And there's a war. Uh, there's a battle. And as Paul put it in the book of Galatians, the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. And so it's very important, and Peter puts emphasis upon this, we must grow. Uh, he says in verse number 5, and beside this give uh, all diligence, you're to work at it. He said add to your faith virtue. Uh, we're to give all diligence. This is discipleship. This is discipline. Salvation is free. It's God's gift when you come in repentance and faith to Jesus Christ. But uh, after salvation, uh, we grow, and it's going to cost you something to grow, discipleship. And uh, there's a cost, there's a price to be paid in that Christian growth. And so he says, add to your faith virtue. And virtue is a voluntary obedience to the truth. Uh, truth is unchanging. And uh, uh, virtue is obedience to that unchanging truth. It's allowing the Word of God to be the guide of your life. A virtuous moral excellence, it's strength, it's courage, it's doing the right thing. 
Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge. You're to continue to grow in knowledge, continue to learn. Uh, Listen, don't ever get to the point you can't be taught. Don't ever get to the point you know it all. Uh, Don't ever come to the point you can't hear the preaching, you can't grow through the preaching, and always come to church with this thought that I'm going to get something from God tonight. I I want to grow in what God has given. We're to add to virtue knowledge and growing in your knowledge of the Lord and your knowledge of the Word of God. To knowledge, he speaks of temperance. This is self-control. Uh, not indulging the flesh, not following fleshly appetites, bringing them under restraint or under control. Uh, To temperance, patience, and this is continuing to do right even in the midst of trials. And to patience, he says godliness, that's God-likeness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, treating others the way that you would want to be treated. To brotherly kindness, you're to add charity. Loving others as Christ loved them, selfless, selflessly, sacrificially, unconditionally. And so this is Christian growth. And Christian growth is essential to success in living the Christian life and growing in the things of the Lord. Now, uh, they say that in a forest, two things are constantly happening. Living things are growing and dead things are decaying. And in your Christian life, you're either going to grow or decay. You're either going to move forward, or you're going to be at a standstill. And uh, I think that becomes very evident as you read these next verses. You see, it's, it's crucial that we are growing. It makes us fruitful in verse number 8. He says, if you do these things, or if these things be in you, and abound, they're continuing to grow, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the Lord has come that you might bear fruit. He's come to uh, work through you. The fruit might be produced through you. Uh, We have assurance as we grow. He that lacketh these things, in verse number 9, is blind, cannot see afar off, and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. We have steadfastness through a growth, wherefore the rather brethren give diligence to make your calling. Election sure, if you do these things, you shall never fall. Then we're rewarded through growth, for so an instance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And as you're growing and maturing in the Lord, you have this assurance that in coming before the Lord, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, what we're going to look at tonight is such an important aspect. If you're going to grow, the key to growth is going to be the Word of God. You're not going to grow apart from God's Word. You go back to verse number 4. I want you to look at a statement here, and then we're going to come back and look at the thought tonight. Whereby, verse 4, are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. We have wonderful promises to come through the word of God. He says that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Those are some of the promises. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Uh, A wonderful promise for whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Wonderful promise. 
wonderful promise, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come unto condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Wonderful promise. We know the moment we come to Christ that we pass from hell to heaven. We pass from death to life. There's no in between. A wonderful promise that God has given to us that he's coming back again. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Aren't those wonderful promises? And these are precious. Peter called them precious promises. They're precious. It's something that is of great value. It's like gold. It's like silver. It's precious. It's wonderful. It's like the love of marriage. It's a precious thing. It's the wonderful thing of a home. It's precious. And my salvation is precious. And the word of God is precious. And the promises of God's word are precious. Now, if you're going to grow, you're going to have to come to these wonderful, precious promises of God's word. So what I want to look at tonight is we're going to take this latter part of 2 Peter and we're going to look at the Bible, the Word of God. Now, first of all, I see the reliability of the Bible. Uh, look again, verse number 15. As we speak of this Bible, it's a precious book. It's reliable. It's dependable. It's God's Word. It was a written account in verse number 15. Peter is describing this. He says, moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Now, Peter is speaking about the fact that he was about to pass off of the scene. He says in verse number 14 that he must shortly put off this earthly tabernacle, even as the Lord Jesus hath showed me. Uh, but now he has endeavored that before his passing, he would pen down these things of God, that he might always have these things in remembrance before us. And when we think about this, this is a written account. That's very important. It is unchanging. You see, before Peter passed off the scene, he gave us the book of Second Peter. And it's an unchanging word. Now, many groups have oral traditions. Maybe you've heard of, of different religions. They pass their traditions on uh, by word of mouth, and they pass it on from generation to generation to generation. And it's kind of interesting. I've done some study and research on some of these oral traditions that have passed from one generation to the next generation. And interesting as new cultures and new ideas enter in, some of the stories begin to change, and some of the stories uh, generations later are not the very same story that was originally told by the forefathers. They've adjusted, they've changed in that. You ever uh, do this as a kind of a game uh, is you take a phrase and whisper the phrase into an individual's ear and you pass it around the room and before long that word gets changed and that's what happens with oral tradition. Uh, many groups have these oral traditions, these, uh, these teachings, but God has given to us his word. And his men penned these words and Peter said, before I pass off of the scene, I'm going to give you uh, these things, these things that I've spoken of, they're important and these words are going to be penned and uh, the word would be able to pass from generation to generation to generation to each successive generation. Uh, as we spoke this morning, God would preserve his word from this generation and even forever. 
So this was a written word that is trustworthy. It's a factual account. Verse 16, uh, what Peter says, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. It's not a fable. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a made-up story. It's not a novel. We've not followed these cunningly devised fables when we made unknown unto you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We witnessed the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in this particular account, he's mentioning the transfiguration. He said, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received from God the Father honor, glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with you or with him in the holy mount. Peter says, I, I was there. I witnessed it. I saw it with my own eyes. I heard the voice from heaven with my own ears. He said, I witnessed that miracle, that transfiguration, the glory of Christ here. Now, we've talked about this in Sunday school. The Old Testament author accounts were uh, prophets. They were Moses and David and Elijah and Elisha and, and so on and so forth. They gave account. They were God-called men. And these men were verified by God. The New Testament writings were apostolic accounts. They were eyewitness accounts, eyewitness accounts of his life, of his ministry, of his workings. That's why the canon of Scripture was sealed with the passing of the apostles. So this was a trustworthy account. Notice in verse number 19, Peter says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Wherein do you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in the dark place until the day dawn, the day star arise in your hearts? He said, we have a more sure word. Now think about this. Peter says, I was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. I saw with my eyes the glory. I heard with my ears the voice. But Peter said, we have a more sure word. We have a word that is trustworthy in every detail. A dream, a vision could be wrong. Do you ever see something that you realize later you didn't see what you thought you saw? Did you ever hear something that you realized you didn't really hear what you thought you heard? Uh, my wife, sometimes uh, she says some things and I don't hear it just exactly like it was said. Is that true? <laughs> and she's not going to tell you that, but yeah, I, I don't hear it right. Okay, and, and sometimes we mishear some things or we missee some things. A lot of talk today about UFOs, and you hear that all over the news, and I think some of this is preparing for some end-time events, by the way. But, you know, a lot of talk, and uh, some, sometimes uh, later on it's been discovered that what somebody saw was not actually what they thought they saw, and uh, what they saw was maybe some... Um, Maybe it was uh, uh, a, uh, an airplane that caught the sun wrong. Or we, we don't know. Uh, but dream, vision not, might not be accurate. Uh, your feelings and emotions, they ever change? Okay, eat pizza late at night, drink a bunch of Pepsi. And you might have some hallucinations. Okay, not going to be too accurate. Okay, but what Peter is expressing 
we have a trustworthy word. We have a very sure word. We have a dependable word. We have something that we can trust. We have a completely trustworthy account. Do you ever think it wouldn't have been wonderful to have been present on the Mount of Transfiguration when the glory of the Lord was revealed? But you know we have something that's even better. We have the Bible. We have the Word of God. We have something that is accurate, that God has given to us. It's a trustworthy account. And as we look, it is a God-given account, and this what is what makes it trustworthy. In verse number 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, it's not man's idea. Uh, this is God's book. It's not as the Book of Mormon. Uh, it's not the writing of Mary Eddie Baker or Ellen G. White. It's not the writing of Charles Chase Russell. It's not the writing of the Quran or of Muhammad. Uh, but this is God's book. This is divine. This is inspired of God. This is different than any other book. He says in verse number 21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. You go back to 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter put it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 23 of God's word. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It's an unchanging book. But the word of God, in verse 25, the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word by which, uh, which by the gospel is preached unto you. See, I, I believe what Peter is, is giving unto us is this reliable foundation of God's word. It's a written word that is unchanging, that passes from generation to generation to generation. It's not man's idea, it's God's book. Holy men of God spake as moved by the Holy Ghost. It's divinely inspired. It's not a fable, it's not a dream, it's not a vision. It's divinely inspired and God-breathed, given unto us. It's a reliable book that we can trust. And that's very important. That's the foundation for all of this. If this book is a reliable book, we ought to do something about it. And that's what Peter is speaking to us about. See, this Bible ought to be given a position in your life. And he speaks of giving this Bible a permanent position. Now, before I get into this thought, I believe this with all of my heart. Joshua said, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. 
100% convinced that the individual who will make the Bible the book of their life uh, will take the Bible, believe the Bible, apply the Bible, and do the Bible. I'm 100% convinced that that individual succeeds in their life. You can take the Bible and let this Bible fill the principles of your life. You will come to the point that the Bible is right, that it's God's word, that what the Bible speaks, that will I seek to do. I will seek to follow the Bible, to be obedient to the word of God, to follow the word of God. That's how you grow and mature in your Christian life. That's what Peter is expressing. Go back to verse number 19. In verse number 19, 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter says, we have also a more sure word. I saw the vision. I saw the exalted Christ. I heard the word from heaven that you have a more sure word. Then he says, whereunto you do well that you take heed. He's speaking of giving the Bible a prominent position. Take heed. Pay attention. Listen to what God has to say. Take heed to the word of God as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Allow the Bible to be the guiding light of your life. This world is a dark world. It's a very dark place, but the Bible is a bright and shining light. It's a lamp unto your feet, a light unto your path. The word of God can give direction to your life. The word of God as a bright and shining light can reveal the Lord Jesus Christ to you. Uh, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. This Bible is a book about the Lord Jesus Christ. This Bible will light the way to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. God's word lights the path to the Lord Jesus Christ. God's word points the way of salvation. It points the way to Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The word of God points the direction to Jesus. The word of God will reveal sin in your life. It's like taking the lamp into a dirty room, turning that lamp on, and revealing all the dirt and the filth of that room. You see, you can't clean the room until you see the dirt and the filth. And the word of God reveals the sin. The word of God will be truth unto you. In a world of deception, in a world of lies, in a world without direction, let the word of God be the lamp unto your feet, the light unto your path, that light in a dark world. Uh, the word of God in a world that has lost its direction, morally speaking, let the word of God be the guide to your life. Let the principles of God's word direct you. See, I, I'm not worried about how many genders there are. There are two. How did I get that? The word of God. Uh, he made them male and female. I have a clear word from the word of God that God has given to me. And so over and over, the word of God in a dark world can be the light. Give it its prominent position as being that light. Allow the word of God to change your heart. Notice in verse number 19, he says, uh, as a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. See, the word of God will bring Jesus to life in your heart. 
the day starts. And as you build in the Word of God, as you grow in the Word of God, as your knowledge of the Word of God uh, increases, uh, the Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, comes to life in that heart. That's how you grow. See, that's how you add to your faith virtue. You come to this place that this book is right. And virtue is simply following what this book says. Add to virtue knowledge. What do you get that from? The Word of God. Add to knowledge temperance. This book will help you to overcome the flesh. Add to temperance patience. This book will give you the courage to do right, even in the midst of struggles and trials. Add to patience godliness. This book will build godlikeness in your heart and life. Add to godliness brotherly kindness. This book will show you how you are to treat others. And to brotherly kindness charity. This book will show you the very love of the Lord Jesus Christ. We would allow the word of God to have a prominent position in our hearts. It's a shield book. We can depend upon it. We can build with it. Then I want you to notice a thought here in verse number 20. Not only are we to allow the word of God to have that prominent position, but we ought to allow the word of God to have a teaching position also. I'm going to give you something that helped me many years ago. In verse number 20, knowing this, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. I learned a long time ago, let the scripture interpret itself. Build with the doctrine of scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept. You see, the truths of the Bible never contradict themselves. True doctrine uh, and principles will build upon themselves. It's always important to keep the Bible in its context. Never pull a scripture from the context to build a doctrine, otherwise you have stinking sand. Always build around the context of what God is saying. When you look in the word of God, to whom is he speaking? What is he saying? Uh, what is the context of the scripture? That's very crucial. Uh, over and over, you know, the Bible speaks. And in fact, let me have you do something uh, for just a moment. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, there's, a, there's a thought here that something happened recently that, that drew me back to this. Ephesians chapter 4. In verse number uh, 11, the Bible says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That we all come in the unity of the faith, and the faith is simply that which we believe, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, and to a perfect man, and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And he says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him or into him at all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now, some uh, one recently was trying to teach me a false doctrine, 
And what they did is they took verses out of context. And in taking those verses out of context, and then they gave their own definitions to the words of Scripture. And the problem was their doctrine contradicted itself. And the Bible says that no Scripture is of any private interpretation. If you will give the Bible a prominent position and learn to rightly divide the Word of God, you can study the Word of God, memorize the Word of God, learning to rightly divide it, God will never lead you astray. This book is a pure book. It's trustworthy book. You can follow it and depend upon it, and God will grow you as you can be fruitful in the knowledge and growth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here is what I want you to pray about. And I want to ask you the strongest question, if you will, that you can think of. Can you honestly say that you love Jesus more now than you did when you first understood him? Can you say that you have grown to know him in a more precious way? Paul said of Jesus that I may know him and the, fellow, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul said, I want to know Jesus. I want to walk with him and talk with him. I want to be like Enoch, a man who walked with God in the midst of a wicked world. That's what Paul is saying. I, I, I want Jesus. I want to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say that you love him more now, that you know him better now, than you did when you first got saved, that you've grown? And can you say that you love the Bible more now than you did when you first got saved? Are you growing in the Word of God? Are you studying it, applying it, making it the book of your life? This book is a more sure word. It's a reliable book that you can depend upon. It's God's book. And if it's a reliable book, it needs to be given the position in your heart and life that it deserves. It comes from God. It's a love letter from God to you. I met my wife to be at that time, October the 30th. 1982. I still remember that day. I still remember going out to the football field and uh, sitting in the bleachers on the track. It was just starting to get dark. I was spending some time in prayer. And I heard some commotion. And my wife three days before, I had seen her in the lunchroom of the cafeteria of the college. I saw her helping a crippled girl with her lunch plate, and I thought to myself, I would sure like to get to meet that girl. And sure enough, three days later, running on the track was that girl. I scared her, not on purpose. She didn't know anybody was around. And that night, we began to talk. And I knew that night 
that she would be the one that I turn to. I just could see a love for the Lord. And I still see that same love for the Lord. Now, after I met her that night, we didn't date. We called it outing. And we went on our first outing to Brahms, and we got an ice cream. I think maybe a chocolate almond shake. Those are great memories. And that was in October. She came through that school. I came back home for the summer. That was before cell phones. So we couldn't communicate. I knew that she was the one I was going to marry. I hadn't asked her yet. But I knew that she would be the one that I would marry. And I remember going out to the mailbox. I remember opening up the mailbox, reaching in, and there was a letter. did with the letter? I stuck it in a glove compartment and said, here you go. No, 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 no. I pulled that letter out. I opened it up. I was so excited and shaking. Smelled it. Does it smell like perfume? Opened it up. Read the letter. know the longer I've been married the more precious my love has become but you know that's what Jesus is speaking about he's precious his book is precious his book is a wonderful book it's a love letter from God to us we can depend upon Isn't it a shame? It's such a reliable book. Wouldn't it be a shame for us to set it down and never say a touch? Never open it. Never read it. Never study it. Wouldn't it be a shame? But that's what he's putting us through. If you're going to grow, you've got to be in this book. You've got to make it the book of your life. It's so beautiful. Let's bow our heads. Let's go to the Lord.